This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Well, I want to talk tonight about, uh, about failure. All of us have experienced failure, and uh, if you have not yet, you're, or if you say that you have not yet, you're probably telling a story or a lie, whichever one you want to call it, uh, because all of us fail. Uh, there's nobody in this sanctuary that's perfect, and uh, if you haven't failed, uh, you will before you die in something. Somehow you'll fail. Only God is perfect. But, uh, you know, we don't need to waste our failures. And so tonight's message is failure God's tool. If you'll allow God, He will take wherever you fail in life, He'll take it and He'll do something with it if you'll only let Him. So with that in mind, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. This is going to be a missionary message. I'm going to take a passage of Scripture, and then I'm going to go all over the Bible, a missionary message. So Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to read the first six verses, then we're going to look also uh, Romans 7 and some other places. But uh, just remember this, that failure and defeat in your life are not always bad. Failure can be the beginning of the best years of your life. Failure helps us to realize just how dependent on God that we really are. Responding to failure the right way opens our life to be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Now, it's not our desire to ever fail. And we strive and we work hard at not failing. But even when you live that way, trying not to fail, trying to do the best that you can, sometimes you're just going to fail. And instead of letting that get you down, instead of saying, well, I'm just an absolute failure, you know, I, I thought I would, and there I go, I did. Instead of living that way, you say, okay, God, what do you want me to learn from it? And where do I go from here? And uh, we should live that way all of our lives. So I want us to think uh, about something here. I want us to look at, number one, a failure that affected us all. A failure that affected us all. And of course, I want to look at the sin of Adam here because Adam was the first man and you could trace your lineage back and I could trace mine back all the way and we would get back to Adam. And of course, we know what happened to him in the garden. That's how I want to begin uh, this message tonight. Failure, God's tool, the first point being failure that affected us all as we talk about the sin of Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And notice this, you will be like God. Self-worship, right there. The very same thing that he struggled with as Lucifer, the light bearer in heaven before God, he wanted to ascend and be like the Most High God. He's now tempting mankind with the same sin that he was tempted with, which is, I want to be worshipped. And he said, 
He said, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband, notice, with her, and he ate. That failure that Adam uh, had there has affected all of us. And, and what sin uh, Adam was uh, dealing with there was his independence of God. Uh, he was being and acting independent of God. Now, Romans 5.12 tells us the fact that uh, Adam was the head of the human race. You see that clearly here. Uh, Romans 5.12, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore, just as through one man, talking about Adam, sin entered the world. We just read the account of that in Genesis. And what came with that? And death through sin, and thus death spread to all men. Why? Because all sinned. Now, Paul also said in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short uh, of the glory of God. So, when you look at failure, there was a failure, the initial failure, that has affected all of us and will continue to affect us until the day uh, we die or till Jesus Christ comes back. Because when Adam disobeyed God, willfully disobeyed God, he sinned, and that caused every child to be born, to be born a sinner separated from God. And because of that, it causes an independent spirit to be prevalent in all of mankind, just like it was uh, with Lucifer in heaven when he experienced his fall from heaven. So, number one, failure that affected us all. Second point I'd like to make is this. Failure can be good in life. Failure can be good in life. In our failures, we realize just how dependent on God that we are. One day, uh, as we were going through discipleship, Kurt said this. He says, sometimes it takes failure to get us back to having a quiet time each morning. Now, that's a simple statement, but it's so true and it's so powerful because I want to tell you, if you don't have a time alone with God every single day, and if you don't even desire time alone with God, I'm telling you, it affects you in a negative way. And every day that goes by that you don't spend time with God is a day that you have missed out. And so, Kurt was saying to me that day, he says, you know, sometimes it takes failure, and he had experienced a failure, to get us back to having a quiet time each morning. And he started that back. You see, God uses our failures. God uses our failures. That's why failures can be good in life. Uh, Romans 8, 28, Paul again says, And we know that all things, that means good and bad, work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know where you may be working. I don't know who you're married to. I don't know anything about a lot of things in your life. But I can tell you this, whether you made wise mistakes that you thought were wise, but they were mistakes, or you made mistakes that you knew were mistakes and you did it anyway. I want to tell you, if you're a Christian and you love God with your whole heart and you walk in His Spirit, God will take even your mistakes and your failures and, listen, 
even your sins, if you'll let him, he'll turn it out for something good. How long it'll take, I can't tell you that. I just know, according to the Word of God, that God causes all things, good and bad, to work together for good to those uh, who love God, to those who are the called uh, according to his purpose. When I was young, and I've told you this before, I've told a lot of people, but when I was young, I went through a period of time where I just got so far behind in school, got so bogged down that I just couldn't make the grade. And it started uh, when I was in the sixth grade with a school teacher that I found out many years later was going through a divorce, and she was mad at her husband, and therefore she brought that anger and that madness uh, into the schoolroom, and she just didn't do a good job that year, I didn't think. And uh, she uh, was always down on us, and I wasn't used to that, and she ridiculed us and, and those things. And that I just began to have an emotional block to learning. My grades went down. I went to the seventh grade, barely made it. In the seventh grade, I just continued to nosedive, and I fell the seventh grade and had to repeat it. Now, for many years, uh, it embarrassed me because I was a little bit taller than other people, and, uh, you know, I had so-called friends kind of laugh at me because uh, there I was back in the same grade again, and it kind of makes you feel dumb and stupid and all those type things. And so I felt some rejection from others. I felt self-rejection, what I talked about this morning. And basically, I felt like a failure. And uh, I hadn't had any teaching like I'm bringing here tonight. Uh, I began to see myself as a failure. And even when I played sports, uh, I was very fast. I was a good football player. But sometimes I would find myself slowing down and letting people tackle me. This is why. Because when you see yourself as a failure, you act it out. It's just something that a lot of people do. And it was a struggle that I had in, in my life. But, you know, I came to a point in my life much, much later in life, in my 20s, that I realized when I began to share my personal testimony, the wisest thing I could do was wherever I was deficient, Wherever I had failed, just to go right out there, look at people, and tell them, I have failed in this area, and get it over with. I have learned that when I do that, people are blessed. But used to, I thought, if I tell people that I failed the seventh grade, everywhere I go, I'm going to label myself as a failure. But that's not what happened. And I remember I really learned this when I shared uh, my testimony at Bellevue Baptist, and I had a senior citizen come to me. And he had tears in his eyes, and he asked me, how could you get in front of all these people and share that? He said, I too fell the seventh grade and have never told anyone. And I said, you know what you need to do, don't you? He said, yeah, but I don't want to. I said, you start telling everybody that you fell the seventh grade, and then you show them, well, look what's happened. I just kept moving on, and I did make it. It'll be an encouragement to them, and I hope he did that. So... Failure can be good in life. Now, I want to read some passages here, and I want us to look at the Apostle Paul because I want you to see a progression here. Turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, I want you to see a progression. I want you to see what Paul said about himself before he knew Christ. And then I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul, or what we see about him when he became a child of God uh, on the Damascus Road. And then I want us to look at another passage to see what Paul struggled with even as a believer. It's a progression here, and I want us to think about this. Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 14. What we're looking at here is the fact that failure can be good in life, 
And what we're looking at specifically here is Paul's independence from God. Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 through 14. Paul says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my notice. You have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. So what we see here, uh, this was before uh, Paul was Paul, he was Saul. Uh, He was talking about uh, the fact that he was uh, he was very well learned, and he was very strong in his beliefs in his former conduct in Judaism. But he was independent from God. Now, don't you look at the progression here? Look at Acts chapter nine, verses one through six. Uh, this talks about uh, what happened to Paul. Remember now, Paul was very very confident in himself. Paul. He was smart. He, he knew the traditions of his fathers. He was someone to be admired, but he was independent of God. But then look what happens to Paul, or really Saul at this point in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. We're going to see something different here. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Notice what happened. Then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, notice, what do you want me to do? You see a whole different Saul at this point. He's a whole different person. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city And notice, and you will be told what you must do. So what you see in Galatians as he talks about himself, he was a very strong man, very independent from God. But now when you see in Acts what happened on that Damascus road, he's been humbled, he's fallen to the ground. That independent, he became dependent. And you see a whole difference in his life. Now, of course, you know his story. His name was changed from Saul to Paul. He became a child of God. But then I want us to look at another progression. And you find it in Romans chapter 7. And when we read this, these are the words of Paul, who is a born-again Christian. He is a believer, but he's struggling within himself. And so look at Romans chapter 7, verses 15 through 19. Look at what Paul says about himself. He says, For what I am doing, 
I do not understand for what I will to do, Romans chapter 7, 15 through 19, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. This is what I'm saying. There was something that affected all of us, and it happened in the Garden of Eden. When Adam sinned because we were in him, the Bible says we all sinned. We come out of our mother's womb, sinners separated from God. So therefore, we have an independent spirit within us. You see this in the life of Saul. Even though he was a brilliant man, uh, he was strong in his uh, Judaism, but he was independent of God. And then what did God do? God humbled Paul, humbled Saul on the Damascus Road. He was down on the ground, and God revealed himself to him, and basically he just said, what would you have me to do? That is the right spot to be in right there. See, Saul was a failure, but he became a success. Saul was independent from God, but he became dependent on God. He was renamed Paul. But even as a child of God, a believer, even as with the name Paul, he still struggled within him. The Bible says in Galatians 5 that there's a war going on inside of the believer. There is a struggle with the Holy Spirit of God and that independent spirit within man called the flesh, self. There is a struggle going on with inside of us, just like this, back and forth. Back and forth. And it causes us to have failures in life. That's why I said failure can be good. Why? Because it takes away that independent spirit from God, and it reminds us just how dependent on God that we really are. My friend, you will notice something in your life. If it is your heart's desire to walk with God, I want to walk with God until he calls me home. You're going to notice something in your life. This is it. God will work in your life in total contradiction to the direction this world is going. That's just the way it is. This world system is going one way. You can know this. It is not God's desire for you to walk the way of the world. It's God's for you to do an about face. That's called repentance. And it's God's desire for you to walk God's way. And I want to tell you, it is the exact opposite of the way this world's going. And so you can either cave into this world system and walk your own way. But if you do that, my friend, you can know this. You're walking independently of God. You're just like Saul before he was saved, or you're like Paul when he was struggling in Romans chapter 7. The wise thing to do is live a yielded life, a surrendered life, and go God's way. Now, I want you to notice Another progression. Think about what you learned as a child. 
Try hard. Work hard. Determination. Self-will. Self-confidence. You can do it. As a child, we mature and become more self-confident to the point where we are less dependent on our parents. In the Christian life, the sign of maturity is less independence and more dependence on God. Do you see that? You see that progression? A yielded life, surrender, is what God's asking for. But now, in our humanness and in our flesh, we don't want to go that way. We don't want to go that way. We want to go our own independent way, and that's what causes us so many problems. And so God allows failure in your life. It is a tool in the hand of God. It's not Him beating you down and knocking you down. Remember, all that was done to Jesus Christ on the cross, and His wrath is appeased. Jesus Christ's death was the propitiation for our sins, the satisfaction. It pleased God to crucify His Son, But what God is doing is he's letting us experience failures in this life to bring us to the end of ourselves. It's not punishment. He's not surprised. He's not doing it with a stern face. Like he said to Saul, quit kicking the golds. It's hard for you to kick the golds, uh, Saul. And so what, what would he have us to do? He would have us to say, I see the failure in my life because I act independently of God. I choose to allow this failure to cause me to yield and surrender to God. I stand back up and I walk God's way no matter what. Amen? So God takes failures in life and He uses them for His purposes. He uses them to take the independent spirit that we've been taught since we were children And he causes us to realize how dependent on God uh, that we are. So number one, there is the failure that affected us all. Number two, there's the failure that can be good in life. And then the third thing is this. Failure can be a teacher. Failure can be a teacher. Look at Romans 8.29. I use this verse a lot because... It talks really about, uh, it's a picture of a progressive sanctification, but Romans 8, 29, Paul says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined, listen, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. I can tell you what God's doing with you. It's the same thing he's doing with me. God is working circumstances and engineering circumstances in your life and you're like Play-Doh to him. And he's, he's molding you and shaping you into the image of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways, it's a primary way that he, what he does, is he uses failure in our life. He uses that to shape us into the image of Christ. But if you fail and you get so disgusted with yourself, You just label yourself as a failure. You tried to hide your failure from other people. And you lay down with failure. My friend, God can't use the failures in your life to conform you to the image of Jesus. What do you do? You fail. 
you realize I'm acting and living independently of God. I choose again to get up and have that quiet time in the morning, choosing early in the morning that I'm going to walk dependently on God and I'm going to watch what he's going to do with my failure. Somehow, some way, at some point, he's going to turn it into something good. That's how you have to see it, because God will use it. And so failure can be a teacher. We must always remember, we are saved by grace through faith and not works. See, we know that when it comes to initial salvation, we quote it. Saved by grace through faith, not works. But listen to this. We live the Christian life by His grace and strength and not by works. So not only are you initially saved by grace and not by works, you live every single day walking dependently on God, knowing that you are saved, but walking dependently on God, that too, my friend, is by grace. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in Him. So, when Paul says that in Colossians, he says, the same way that you received the Lord Jesus Christ, you say, well, how was that? By faith. He says, so walk in Him. What he's saying is this. You're saved by grace, and it's through faith. That's how you initially find salvation. Now he's saying, instead of walking independently of me, walk dependent of me, and Walk, this walk, too, is by faith. Amen? So, when you're walking through life and sometimes you don't understand things that are coming your way, you have to say, I want to know, but I don't have to know. I choose to walk in the same faith that I exercise when I ask Jesus to come into my heart. He saved me as I exercise faith. And he says he'll walk with me and guide me as I walk by faith. And so, trying to live life in the flesh, independently of God, it's like if you can even picture in your mind standing in a swimming pool with ten balloons. And you're trying to keep all ten of those balloons under the water. It'd be hard to do, right? When you somehow think, uh, things are okay. I can make it. And, uh, you know, God, uh, you know, I'll talk to you later. I'm kind of busy right now. You know what? That's, that's equivalent to trying to hold 10 balloons under the water in a swimming pool. You're just not going to be able to do it. Why? Because you're going to hold five down. You're going to hold two down with, with legs and you're going to be like this, but you're still going to have what? Three left. They're going to be popped up. And so when, when you try to move and, and push the other three down, well, the, those others are going to pop up. Does it ever just feel that way? <laughs> like it just ain't working? A lot of that comes from living the Christian life independently of God, not having lost your salvation, but not relying on the one who lives inside of you. And so the reason failure can be a teacher is because failure causes us to see the truth about ourselves. When we bump and when we fail, it makes us stop and look at ourselves a little bit closer and we begin to see what's really true about ourselves. Failure causes us to learn the ways of God. One of the greatest things you'll learn is this. God never stops loving you. I mean, right through the middle of it all in life, God never stops loving you. He loves you with an everlasting 
love. Failure causes us to realize we can choose to act independently of God and suffer. Or we can choose to yield to God's control and we'll have God's success. You know, God did not make it hard. Human beings make it hard. What God made it so easy that, my friend, salvation is by His grace. And living the Christian life, too, is by His grace. All He asks us to do is to walk by faith, and He causes things to happen for us. And so, failure causes us to realize that when we choose to act independently of God, we suffer. But when we choose to yield to God's control, we have God's uh, success. You take a child, and child's got fever, and it's got a bad cold, and uh, you say, well, we got to take you to the doctor. And so uh, that child's thinking, yeah, but I don't want to go to the doctor because the doctor may give me uh, a shot, and I don't like a shot. And you say, well, why don't you like a shot? Because shots hurt. Well, how does the fever feel? Well, what about the cough? You're coughing up and coughing up, and you're miserable. The best thing that you can do, whether you get a shot or not, is go to the doctor. It's the quickest way to getting well. Well, the Christian knows the same thing in his Christian life. He knows this. The quickest way for my 10 balloons to go underwater and stay there is to let God put them under there and let God keep them. Let God juggle all these things in my life because I can't do it. And so the quickest way to deal uh, with things in life is to simply let go and let God have all there is to you. And as problems come your way, uh, God's going to help you with each one of them. And when you fail, He's going to make sure that He uses it uh, for something good. Now, I want you to think about this. I want to ask you this question. Who has suffered most, you or Jesus? Jesus, right? What did He suffer for? Our sins? Did He suffer for all sins? Let me ask you this. What is striving and independence from God? What is that? Is that sin? Jesus died for your every act of independence. Do you realize that? All the independence that you will project from this day forward, Jesus Christ died for that already. What would he have you do? Is to say, forget me and say yes to him. Fourth and last thing is this. Failure can give us God's view about life. Failure can give us God's view about life. We've talked about the failure that affected us all. Failure can be good in life. And we've talked about failure can be a teacher. And the last thing is failure can give us God's view about life. Now, turn over, if you will, to uh, Galatians chapter 2. Let's look at something else that Paul said in Galatians chapter 2. And, of course, uh, verse 20, Galatians 2.20, Paul said this. Now, Now, remember, Paul was a bright man. He was a scholar. He was so independent and so cocksure of himself, he believed that he could really stamp out Christianity. He could stamp out the way. But on the Damascus Road, God brought him to the end of himself. 
and he believed, and he received the Lord Jesus Christ. That independence became dependence on God. But that same Paul still struggled as a believer. The flesh and the spirit, just like you and I, have that same struggle inside. What did Paul learn as he reflected on his life? The very one who said in Romans chapter 5, verse uh, 12, and also 17 and 19, that through one man sin entered into the world, Adam. And that affected all of us, including him, Paul. He came to his senses and was saved. Then he lived his Christian experience. And you see Romans 6, 7, and 8, you can see really concisely his spiritual experience. And in Romans 7, even as a believer, knowing all these things, there was a war going on with inside of him. But listen to what he learned in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Notice that it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh How does he live? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do you think he learned that? Struggling? Going through those times of being independent. I can do it myself. I can figure it out, Lord. I'll see you later. How do you think he learned these deep things? Of course, we know God revealed them to him, but I can tell you, He failed over and over and over and over again. I tell you what, Paul was probably a knucklehead. Because why? He was strong. He had a strong personality. But he had learned the message of the crucifixion uh, with Christ. And he said, it's no longer I who uh, lived. And so what happens is this. When we fail... It gives us a new perspective on life. And this is the perspective for the mature Christian. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. We walk by His Spirit and in the sunlight of His love. Because what? We're children of light. And I want to ask you this. Have you been hearing the Holy Spirit whisper in your ears? Has He been telling you to give up? Can you just sense in your spirit that God is telling you to give up? Just give up. And let me have all there is of you. Giving up and letting God short circuits failure. If you do fail, God will use it. You say, but I'm tired of failing. I'm like Paul. I'm ready to live the crucified life because I'm learning these lessons. Wonderful, but I'm tired of learning these lessons. Well, then give up and let God have all there is of you. It's short circuits failure. I want to ask you, who's really holding the reins of your life? Who's really guiding you? Are you guiding you? Is it Because remember, since we're children, we're, we're taught to be independent, to try hard, to work hard and all those. And those things are good. But you know what? If we're not careful, those things keep us acting independent of God. When it comes to God... We have to let go and let him have all there is of us. That doesn't mean that we don't need to take our hoe to the garden. That doesn't mean that there's not work for us to do. That doesn't mean that we're supposed to be passive. 
But it means when it comes to God and his leadership and his guidance, that we're willing to not struggle against him, but to let him have his way. So the final question is this. Are you dying to live? Are you dying to live? You say, what does that mean? God would have you and me live a crucified life. That's what Paul learned in his struggle. That's what Paul learned in all of his failures. He learned, for me to live is Christ. Paul learned, for me to live is to see my crucifixion with Christ on the cross. That's why he said, it's no longer I. Then he said, but Christ. What he's saying is, there is a way, a point you can come to in your life where you see yourself less, you see him more. And you find yourself desiring more to be dependent on him than to act and live independently of him. More and more as you fail and you learn new lessons because failure teaches you, what you're finding is this. When I fail, it reminds me how dependent I really am on God. My independence causes me and my family all kinds of problems. My dependence on God causes more harmony in my life. The truth is this. When I'm just not here anymore, when I see myself co-crucified with Christ on the cross, things are better in my personal life and in my relationships with other people in every area of my life. So, is failure a good thing or a bad thing? It's good, because failure is God's tool if you respond right to it. Amen? You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.